0: Welcome back to The Writer's Show. I'm your host, Jeff Hughes, and today we're going to continue our songwriting series with Nashville songwriter and gun-for-hire, Bill O'Hanlon. There's a rich tradition of co-songwriting in Nashville, and Bill has had incredible success. He's also an amazingly prolific songwriter, having written over 1,000 songs, more or less, but more remarkably... He's done all of this after deciding on a career change in his 60s. Bill is also a renowned author. He's published over 39 books, appeared on Oprah promoting his successful book, Do One Thing Different, and now he has co-written four books on songwriting. I met Bill in 2013 at a marketing convention in Scottsdale, Arizona, on my first trip to the U.S., Bill was a guest speaker there, and the first time I heard him was when he was holding court playing his guitar and singing with that beautiful voice. Bill's been many things, a novelist, a psychoanalyst, designer of online courses, but the golden thread through it all has been his love for music. He's a very busy guy. Let's jump right into the interview. This is Bill (laughs) O'Hanlon. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Bill.
1: Happy to be here. Long time no see.
0: Long time no see. About eight years, I think. Since we right. Last and we before.
1: have we have so much in common. We're both authors, we coach authors, and we play music and write songs.
0: And it's a fun thing as well. I'm, ad- I'm admiring your uh, collection of guitars behind you. Talk talk me through that. uh,
1: How we we met, it was in some internet marketing um, um, method that we both were learning at the time. And I was always terrible with money. I was an old hippie back in the day, and I was always terrible with money. And I earned a fair amount of money through my career as a psychotherapist, an author, and a speaker, but I was always in debt. And so I promised myself once i figured out this internet marketing stuff and I started to make money, I wouldn't wouldn't buy a new instrument until I'd earned the money for it. I wouldn't go into debt for it. I wouldn't put it on the credit card. And so I did my first internet marketing launch, and I earned enough to buy me the most expensive acoustic guitar I'd ever gotten, which was thousands of U.S. dollars. And um, ever since then, every time I do a launch, I buy a guitar. So it's, (laughs) it's it's starting to get out of hand. Or sometimes I buy a mandolin or, a, or a, a ukulele, but um, so yeah, I have good electric guitar, bass guitar, acoustic guitars, and there's as you know, there's different music in each guitar.
0: Oh, there is, and and you can never have too many guitars. I've I've learned I, I,
1: I have not discovered the limit yet, but I, I think I will someday.
0: Now, now you've written over 25 songs that have been recorded by other artists, that must be an incredible. Incredible feeling of validation as a songwriter?
1: Well, that was my goal when I did it. I didn't, I, when I was younger, I was a singer songwriter. And then later I sort of moved away from that and became a speaker and a writer. And I traveled all around the world and I was gone from home a lot. And when I went back to music in my later years, and songwriting, I decided I don't want to be an artist anymore. um, Because I don't want to travel like that. I admire those people who can do it. But Mm -hmm. um, and so I decided I want to write songs for other people. But of course, the challenge is you have to write a song that's good enough that somebody else wants to record it. And so that was my goal is just can I write a song that not only I love because you know, when you write a song, you sort of fall in love with it. And that's nice. But can I write a song that I love and that someone else might love enough to put on there, you know, to record it and put it out in the world? So, yeah, it's 30 so far, actually. And uh, then I have one song that was played in a TV show. Um, and then I have another one that's just been signed for a movie, a Christmas song that I wrote that's been signed for a movie. It's not out yet, and I don't have all the details, but um, so it's it's very Validating, as you say, and rewarding to not just write songs for myself in my room, which is rewarding in its own way, but to have somebody else like it enough, put it out in the world, and then have people I've never met listen to it. It's a little like writing a book. I've had emails, and I'm sure you have, from people who've read my books that I've never met, and they told me how much the book touched them or or affected them, and that is it's an amazing feeling. I'm sure you know this feeling to hear from somebody you've never met that somehow your words touch them, your book touched them and your music touched them. So that's a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun thing. And I write a lot of songs. So only a very small percentage of songs that I write have been recorded. I've written over 300 so far this year. So I'm quite prolific.
0: You're very prolific. I've got about three hundred partial songs in my iPhone because I'll I'll be sitting up at night doodling on a guitar. I think that sounds fantastic. I'll capture that, and uh, my my problem is finishing them.
1: <laughs> I as you, I wrote songs on my own for years, and then I went to Nashville to learn songwriting because there were some expert songwriters there. I went to LA and the states and Nashville; those are two songwriting hubs. And when I went to Nashville, they said, oh, we always co-write. We get in a room and we treat it like a job. At 10 in the morning, you meet with two other people, sometimes people you've never met, sometimes people you know, and we say, who's got an idea? Could be a musical idea, could be a title idea, just could be a vague idea of a song, could be a melody, and uh, you inspire each other, and then that's a three-hour session, and most people finish the songs within those three-hour sessions. They go to lunch, they come back in the afternoon and do it again. And I, when I first went there, I thought, how do you do that? How do you get inspired on a schedule? And I figured out how to do it, and I found my best co-writers, people who are good at things, great at things that I was just good at um, because, again, I wrote lyrics and melody and played the instrument mm. for years for myself, but that helps finish the sauce, I guess you would say, because there's a pressure. Number one, you know, you have three hours. And as you know, there, there, there was an old principle, you know, the task expands to fill the time that's available. And I was one of those people in university with the night before my paper was due. I was sitting typing it because I do well on a deadline. That was all. So It turns out the same uh, with songs. And of course, one can always finish them. And sometimes you finish a draft and you have to revisit it later. But co-writing has been uh, an amazing thing for me. And so I just schedule a write a day, Monday through Friday. And then occasionally I have other, sometimes I do two in a day. I've written as many as five songs in a day, um, but they went quickly. Um, So doing co-writing really focuses the mind and gets things done. And also sometimes my co-writers will, our producers and they can actually make something that sounds like a record when we're done. And that's quite rewarding to be able to, wow, we brought this morning. That song didn't exist. And this evening, the producer, my producer singer friend has produced something that sounds like it could be on the radio. It's uh, amazing. Quite Again, encouraging to go write another song because I finished that one, and now I can put that in the bin and um, save it for somebody else or try and get it out in the world, and go back and write another one. So I've I've loved finding my best co-writers, my best collaborators.
0: And you've you've written a few books about this very subject, the Songwriters Guide to Mastering Co-writing. Uh, I can That's see right. them on the wall behind you there. That's right.
1: I have them here as yeah. well. Yeah. Great. So the first Great. one was a was uh, with a guy who's had six number ones and a bunch of other cuts. A guy named um, Marty Dodson in Nashville, and he, when I met him, he said, "You know, you write books. I've always wanted to write a book I said, well. You know, let's write one together because I'd study with him." And um, and then I, his partner in uh, a place called Songtown, which is an online songwriting community, is Clay Mills, also another six-time. Number one songwriter. And and I said, There's no books about co-writing. When I came to Nashville, I didn't know how to do it. So he said, Let's write one. And then he and I have just finished another one on melody. Um, Mastering melody. Yeah, Yeah, that's the new one. And then, yeah, I've written other books that were about psychotherapy and self-help. That was my thing. And then I've written a couple of books about how to write books. And um, I'm working on my 40th book at the moment, which is on getting sync placements uh television movies commercials video games how do you write yeah. music get it in in those uh, venues so um i'm writing with a sync expert i usually write with other people in the music business who really are experts and well-known in their areas so yeah 40th book and i've got i've tried to stop writing books because i prefer writing songs but i've got a 48 well, first and 42nd already in the works so
0: one could say that songwriting's a type of psychotherapy.
1: You know, it's interesting you say that because I bring both my, you know, 40 years of psychotherapy experience. I was a psychotherapist, couples therapist, family therapist, so I heard a lot of stories. Over the time. And of course, I don't use details of those stories, but um, and don't identify anybody, but I drew upon the emotional truth of people's lives and relationships and love and breakups. And, you know, a lot of songs are about love. So, having been a couples therapist for so long, I really knew what is true in that area, both in my own experience and friends of mine and family, but also just my psychotherapy clients over the years. But also being in a co-write is a little like a psychotherapy session, I've found, in that you really go deep and you tell your co-writers things. Sometimes you don't tell your close friends. You confess things because you're trying to dig down deep and get to the truth of human experience and a universal truth, not just your own personal details. And when you have three people in a room, which is typically a co-write for me, usually I write with two other people. Sometimes there's one, sometimes three other people, but everybody's trying to get to the universal that all their experiences tells them are true. So you may have a particular story of yours. I have a story of mine about falling in love or breakup or, you know, um, longing for someone or whatever it may be. But my co-writers have other ones and we combine those all to find what's universal about them all. And so it's a lot like a group therapy session and Uh not, not always, some people don't want to go there but a lot of times people will cry they will you know they will laugh they will tell you their deep dark secrets and it it, there's a little parallel to the psychotherapy world for sure
0: let's talk about your new book mastering melody writing it's partly about writing songs without waiting for inspiration but it's much more than that can you tell our listeners about the book
1: yes i mean the the first book was about lyrics. The first songwriting book was about lyrics. And that was fairly easy. You're writing about words. Second book was uh, about co-writing, and then you're writing about relationships. When my co- co-author, Clay, said, you know, I want to write a book about melody, I was like, yeah, that's a little like writing a book about sex. I mean, the experience, <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to put into words, so to speak. But um, melody writing we didn't want to make it a a theory book because a lot of people don't know that theory or they start to see the, you know, the symbols on a page. And then it just, it's like mathematics or maths. They just blank out and say, I don't understand that. And we didn't want to put theory in, but my co-writer is this amazing melody writer. Again, he's had, you know, six number ones, a bunch of top twenties, and um, he has an uncanny melodic ability and he's discovered how to talk about melodies in a certain way what i want to say to make it available and when i first went to nashville and i was pitching my songs or la and i was pitching my songs they say those are good songs they sound like the eagles and the beatles and i would i'd be sit up and be really proud they'd say yeah yeah that's not a compliment (laughs) that's already been done by the Beatles and the Eagles and they did it really well. We want contemporary sound. And so, you know, because I'm of a certain age, the only ways to get contemporary sounds is to learn to write contemporary melodies or write with younger people who have, you know, hip hop melodies and rhythms in their minds. And so, or to learn how to write more contemporary melodies and, Years ago, I read this thing that uh, Jimmy Webb, famous uh, songwriter, you know, MacArthur Park. And, you know, by the time I get to Phoenix and uh, Wichita line, man, amazing songwriter, you know him, I'm sure. He said he was having a conversation with Paul Simon in the 70s. He said, Paul, where do you think songwriting is going? Paul Simon said, "Melody's going to be um, de-emphasized and rhythm is going to be. The the preeminent thing, and this is way before hip hop and, and rap came into it, but um, Jimmy Webb was just disdainful. That's crazy. Melody's always going to be the thing that hooks listeners, and uh, Paul Simon was right, but I think there's a combination, a rhythmic melody. And so my co-writer, Clay, discovered a principle that we've called line plus and uh, sometimes called line plus three. And it's a way to hook the listener, and uh, to make your contemporary, you make your um, um, music more contemporary. Um, in the in the nineties, I think there yeah. was a, there was a, a song, "Never Gonna Give You Up," "Never Gonna Let You Down," and you hear how that. Melody is really hooky, and one of the things that makes it hooky is there's three syllables at the end which have the same melody. Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. There's a little space between the rest of the song, and when I started listening with those ears to listen to melodic rhythms and not just melodies, I realized, oh, that's what the Bee Gees were doing, you know. Yeah, You know, they, they wrote these melodic rhythms. It wasn't just melodies. You know, Jackson Brown could write a great melody. Um, You know, there are great melody writers, the Eagles could write great melodies. But to write a great melody with a, a melodic rhythm that hooks the listener. That's what a lot of contemporary music is a lot of pop music is a lot of rhythmic melodies and so we try to put that and other things word painting we have a technique called word painting where um you know there's a famous country song i got friends in low places and on yeah, the word yeah. low you go down low and that's called word painting and we teach uh, we teach writer, writers all writers how to do word painting you know when uh katy perry says you're gonna hear me roar and she goes up on that roar yeah it's just great or um you know up up and away up up goes up so uh we have a bunch of techniques like that in the book and i'll tell you writing the book i learned a great deal and when I pitch my songs, they don't tell me they sound like the Eagles and the Beatles anymore. They tell me, "Wow, that's really contemporary. It's kind of unusual for you being your age that you could write such contemporary melodies." But I learned how to write more contemporary by studying the methods that were in this book. So,
0: oh yeah, it's in- important to keep listening to new music as well. Like uh, I'm always surprised musicians our age. Uh, <laughs> some I right. know they they bemoan that there's been uh, good music since the 70s and i just shake my head i know
1: there's great
0: music and one of the principles in the book is to listen
1: with appreciation rather than criticizing saying oh all the good music was back in my day and you know i'm in nashville and every 10 or 20 years there's a new phase that comes in nashville right now it's pop country and it sounds a lot like hip hop influenced and and um and it has that rhythmic pop feel to it and people are, oh that's not real country music and when willie nelson came in they said that's not real country music that's why they called them outlaw country because they weren't the traditional country so every 20 years there's a new movement that comes in when garth brooks came to nashville they said he sounds like james taylor that's not real country and now He's classic country, they call him. So, every, you know, and it's the same in anything, you know, that's just noise. That's not music. And to keep your musical soul alive, you better keep listening to things. I remember when I first heard Eminem's, um, you know, Eight Mile, I I watched the movie. I was like, you know, I didn't get rap music at all. Now I get it. And I have a great appreciation of the music, the moment. And I was like, wow, I love that song. And who would think at my age I would learn to love hip-hop and rap music. I, I love some of it a lot. It's great. It's cool.
0: So talking about Nashville, you, you moved to Nashville. What, what's it like to work there?
1: It's it's a southern place in the United States, and there's that southern gentility. But it's also they call it Little Big Town. There's a group called Little Big Town, and they took their name from that because the music industry, you get to know people partly because of that southern gentility if you're not a jerk and you work hard and you're pleasant to be around and you're as they say you're a good hang people will open doors for you I've gotten to know hit songwriters who have you know who've written songs of the year and have you know 20 number one songs and they're quite friendly and quite kind when you approach them in the right way and um, it's just been really really nice and It's a music scene like no others. Uh, once, Once a year, they hold a thing called Tin Pan South, you know, like the old Tin Pan Alley back in New York. Well, they call it Tin Pan South, and it's a songwriters festival. And they raise money for some charities. And the hit songwriters come out, four of them or five of them on a stage, and they play their songs. Sometimes they're not great singers. Sometimes they're not great guitar players or piano players. But they sing their hit songs and they tell stories, and they joke with one another, and I just went to the first one of those about six years ago, and I was blown away, and I thought, this is either going to discourage me, and I want to cut off my hands and cut out my vocal cords, because they're so <laughs> good, or it's going to inspire me, and it did end up inspiring me, and I thought, I want to be up there one of these days, telling stories about how I wrote this hit song, so it gave me a great motivation, and There are more minor events like that. They call them songwriter rounds every night of the week in Nashville. And I've been playing on some of those songwriter rounds. I'm there half the month and I have a a home in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is where I am talking to you from right now. Um, And I spend two weeks there every month. I didn't go during the year of the, the heaviest pandemic, but I've gotten vaccinated now and I'm back there and I'm loving, loving, loving it. And I'm loving like, you know, again, seasoned people like you and I, Um, I, I feel like I have a new lease on life, I'm just excited to get up every morning and write a song. And um, I've written some of my favorite songs in the world. I mean, you know, I always had favorite songs as you do, and I'm sure everybody listening does. Ones that I would walk around my house singing or whistling. And now sometimes they're my songs that I'm walking around. And then I'll stop myself. You know, I'll just be kind of absentmindedly singing or or whistling. And I'll think, that's one of my songs. That's pretty good if I like it well enough to sing it or whistle it around the house. So, yeah, I'm loving it. And I'm having a great time. And as I said, I would prefer to stop writing books, but it doesn't seem to be in the cards. But I'm loving writing songs. And someone told me you have to write a 1,000 songs to write a really extraordinary song. So I'm at 960 lifetime songs at the moment. Again, over 300 this year. Last year was over 312. So I think I'm starting to get the hang
0: of it. From down here, um, Nashville seems like an impossibly exotic place. What, what's your advice to young songwriters who who want to get into Nashville and find a bigger world for their songs?
1: Well, it's funny because there's a great Nashville-Australian connection, you know, Casey Chambers. Yeah. Um, you've got Keith Urban. You've got Phil Barton, with the, he's a songwriter who moved there, yeah. was a children's uh, writer in, in uh, Oz and uh, moved up there. I've written a song with him, one of my favourite songs. Yeah. And uh, really nice fellow. Bunch of other Australians. Um that have moved there. I don't know why, but there, I think a lot of Australians do like country music. I think it's popular thing, much more popular than say in New York city in the United States, there's a great love, I think for, at least for some people in Australia for country music. So um, I, I think those people who came, you know, I think uh, Keith, Fourth is another group that's come from Oz that's uh, making their way in Nashville. And I think they just come and start playing out. Start meeting people, start playing their songs for people, and they just make the connections. And it's a long yeah. way. From, obviously, inexpensive expensive to do, but I know a few songwriters who come up and they'll live there for two or three months, and then they'll go back to Oz. And once they get enough traction, they want to move there because that's partly why I moved there. Because people said they won't take you seriously if you don't move there. It's yeah. it's it's you know in this virtual world, you can do Zoom rights and you can do Zoom meetings, but it's a little more challenging because you meet people in the grocery store that are in the music industry, and you meet people that are your Uber drivers who are later going to be hit songwriters. So there is something about being in the presence. You know, it's like being in LA yeah. in the late 60s, early 70s when all the Eagles and the Beatles, I mean, the Eagles and Jackson Brown and Joni Mitchell and Linda Ronstadt were all hanging around. It's like Paris in the 1920s for literary stuff. Nashville still has that kind of feel where you need to be there and make yeah. relationships if you can.
0: Like the connections.
1: Right. And there are online places you can do it. As I mentioned, Songtown is a really great place that you can meet and collaborate with Nashville songwriters or other songwriters. And they have different styles besides country. But you know, because they're based in Nashville, it's biased a little towards country. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, Songtown seems a, a great resource. Could you tell us a bit about that?
1: Yeah, two songwriters who were heartsick, knowing that some people came to Nashville and got ripped off because people who are peripheral to the music industry or were just trying to make a living were taking advantage of songwriters. You know, someone, a songwriter, desperate songwriter who wanted to get a hit on country radio would send a song and someone, some unethical person would get the song and say, oh, we can get this to Keith Urban, just pay us $2,000 and we'll produce it up and he'll he'll surely record this. And they'll pay the $2,000. And of course, they don't have any access to Keith Urban and he writes most of his own songs, not all of them, but he writes a lot of his own songs or co-writes them. And they were just ripping people off. So these two hit songwriters said, that's never the way it works in Nashville. People do not pay people to get songs to hit songwriters. So we're going to start this Facebook group uh, just telling people how the real music industry works. And basically their their whole thing was you write a great song and you, you get somebody to hear it. And if you've written a hit song Somebody in the music industry will hear that and will pass it on to the right person. So your task is to write better songs, not to, again, complain about it's not real country music on the radio or it's all velvet ropes and I can't get in there. It's all, you know, nobody will let me in. If you got the great song, they want a great song. You know, it's like literary agents. When I used to coach people to write books, they say, oh, you can't, you know, unless you've got a bestseller, you can't get an agent and you can't get an agent, you know, to get a bestseller. And I say, well, you write a great book and write a great proposal and you can get an agent. I've gotten one, you know, and I was sort of not very well known when I got my first agent. So I think it's the same thing with songs. If you write a knockout song, the industry is always looking for great songs. You just have to write a great song. And usually you overestimate how great your song is when you yeah. start to fall in love with it, which is great. You know, you should fall in love with your music.
0: Tell me about the first time you heard one of your songs recorded by another artist. What was what was that like?
1: It was a stunner for me. I was so great. You know, I was produced again in Nashville and those musicians are like, you know, you, you just show them the chords. You know, you just play it for them once and they've got a little chart called the Nashville, you know, chord chart Nashville, um, it's Nashville. It's a type of notation. And they just play it through once and you're in the studio and you're like, how did they do that if they, they played it perfectly and then they'll say oh let's do it again because well, we want to make it a little better and you know like, it can't be any better than that so um yeah well i had some nashville musicians record it and the artist was a guy who actually doesn't live in nashville but comes there regularly and i co-roll with him i was on a writing retreat with him two-day writing retreat uh with a bunch of writers and um and I wrote this song, and he said, "I think I'm going to put this out. Um, I, I'm an artist," and I was like, Great. "Great!" And he put it out, and it's called "Wrong for Me," and it's on Spotify. A guy named Kevin Hirschian, and it was so cool to hear it. You know, me not singing my own song, having somebody else sing it. It's actually a song I probably wouldn't wouldn't record myself. It's a little different style than I usually do. I'm a little more singer-songwriter, and this was more country rock, and it was great to hear that. And since then, I've had pop songs that have been released, R&B songs and soul songs have been released, and um, that's so cool to write in all those genres and uh, have artists who just love that stuff and could do it much better than I can.
0: Talking about genres, you've just said you've written a wide range of styles, country, R&B, rock. Um, what's what's the process there? Do you do you write a song and think um that will be great for say Steel Ivory? I, I went through your Spotify playlist.
1: Well, usually Steel Ivory writes Steel Ivory writes their own songs. So I part of the way I've gotten songs released is I've written with the artists. And you know, when you go to Nashville, they say it's really hard to get a song to an artist because a lot of artists write their own songs even if they don't there's a bunch of people competing to get on the major artists releases so the best way is to write with the artists and to find the artists when they're on their way up steel library being a great example, two sisters who uh, a few years ago got the, they love country music all their lives moved to Nashville and they've been moving up through the ranks. And I met them when they were just playing out at some place I played, they played right before me. And I was like, these sisters are great. I love their voices. They're playing other people's songs. And I said, do you write? I afterwards, I said, do you write? And they go, yeah. And I said, well, we write a little. And I said, well, how about if we write together? And they were like, sure. So we start writing together and we just clicked. And so we've written a bunch of songs together and they released a couple of them. And they've released songs with other people as well. But you find those people on the way up because Keith Urban isn't going to invite me to write with him until I get yeah. a few more But yeah. the library will invite me to write with him or be open to me writing with him. Yeah. So... That's, again, one of the nice things about being in Nashville is I was out there playing my music. They were out there playing their music. We're about the same level, and then we're going to rise together, hopefully.
0: In in the first book, The Songwriter's Guide to Mastering Co-Writing, you write about the collaborative songwriting process. How does that work? What's the secret to finding a good songwriting partner?
1: Well, it's a little like friends and uh, romantic relationships. (laughs) They have to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince or princess. And uh, and sometimes it doesn't work. And, you know, it's it's strange because I'm booked up for months with co-writes. I try and do one a day, as I said, and I've felt in more recent times because I've gotten pretty good at co-writing and pretty good at collaborating like that pretty girl in in high school or secondary school. Or I've had to turn people down, and it's the weirdest thing for me. I never had that romantically, but I certainly had it with songwriting. You have to be careful who you collaborate with. It's like your friends. There's a chemistry, and you meet a lot of people, and they're nice people. They could be friends with somebody, but for some reason, you don't gel, and the chemistry isn't there. Same thing romantically. You you meet a lot of people who are potential romantic partners, but some people you have chemistry with and some people you don't. With songwriting, of course, it's how their personalities mesh with yours, how their skills mesh with yours, you know, that Steel Ivory cows. Mm-hmm. I will come in with a four-chord riff, and they will start singing a melody that it's like, okay, that should be on the radio right now. How did you do that? I can write a melody, but they are melodic geniuses. And so I think it's finding those people, finding out, how you work well with people. Some people get really rigid and they insist on their way. It's like, that's collaboration. And so I have some people that it's magic that I write with. I'm going to write uh, tomorrow morning with somebody. I write with a group of two other people that I write with every Wednesday morning, every other Wednesday morning, every two weeks. And one of the guys is a producer. He lives in the UK. He lives in Wales. Uh, Paul De is his name and um another one lives in BC and we do it by we've done the whole time by by Zoom and he is an he's a producer and he's a singer and one time we sent him a brief about a movie that was uh, looking for songs and um I sent him three titles he had two he had two or three titles himself and we we usually schedule a three-hour session. As I said, that's a typical Nashville thing. We got in there and we wrote five songs in two and a half hours. Wow. I was stunned. And so it's sometimes that collaboration is magical and you want to nurture those. And the ones that are not so great and songs don't come out so great, the process is, you know, sometimes I'll look at my calendar and I'll think, I cannot wait for, you know, our session to start because I know it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to write a really great song. Even if we don't finish it, we're going to write a really great song. And others, I'm like, I'm not looking forward to this. And of course, you want to fill your calendar up with the ones that give you light. And to me, it's a magical thing. And, you know, what I've said recently is like, it's like, remember in the Middle Ages when they were doing alchemy and trying to make gold out of thin air? Yeah. I think music and writing songs is like that. There's nothing. And then three hours later, there's gold. There's an amazing song that's one of my favorites that I've ever written. And it's like alchemy. And, you know, I I listen to a lot of podcasts on uh, music and and writing. And someone says, all we're doing is selling air. (laughs) It's true. All we're doing is selling air. You're selling vibrations to go through the air. Yeah, you're selling these molecules and vibrations to go through the air. And I think, you know, and writing books is like that there's you know. nothing you make it up and then there's something it's magical it's alchemical to me and I'm loving this process where it goes from nothing to something and sometimes that something is gold and I love it I just love it
0: tell, tell me a bit a bit about that process when you write a song how's it work for you
1: it's interesting. I was doing a writing retreat this weekend and I wrote three songs and um, in, in, again, three hour segments, usually done in a 90 minutes or I've gotten really fast since I've written with a bunch of people who are pro writers and I just see how quickly they do it and how they get to inspiration. And there is a kind of a wandering around at the beginning. It's like, well, I've got this idea and I'll pick up my guitar and I'll just play a riff. And you know, I'll just say, oh, You know, I've got this idea I was playing with this morning. And someone will go, Play that again. And I'll play it again, and they'll start singing to it. Maybe they'll even have words. And I'll just be a guitar monkey, then I'll just play it again and again, and they'll start singing. Or, there's no music. There's just, I've got this title and here's my title. She's got me exactly where I want her. And someone will say, I love that. Let's do that today. And you can tell the moment the spark happens, or I'll say that and they'll go, Ooh, that makes my brain hurt. She's got me exactly where I want her. I don't get it. And then, and then I'll say, okay, here, I have another one and I'll throw out another and some something needs to spark. It's like when you write a song, like some, something comes to you all of a sudden, and it's a spark an inspiration. Yeah. You get out your phone and you record that. I mean, I've seen some of your your videos of you doing that. And there's a spark that you need to catch. And if you don't catch that spark and you go back to sleep, let's say you wake up at three in the morning with an idea. And if you don't capture that in your phone the next morning, you're like, what was that idea? You really need to capture it sometimes in the moment. In these songwriting sessions, what you're trying to do is spark somebody to inspiration. Because sometimes you come in and people are tired. You know, it's early in the morning or it's late at night. And you're like, oh, gosh, I don't feel like writing a song. But I have an appointment with two other people. And someone says something. And all of a sudden, it's like, I can't wait to write that song somebody gets excited and they start to do something that then sparks off the next person who sparks off the next person. And all of a sudden you're off to the races. Yeah. And I love that process, but sometimes you're just slogging through the whole time. It's like, okay, well, all right. If that doesn't appeal to you, how about this? I've got another one I've been playing with. And they'll go, that. I didn't like that first one you played. It didn't do anything for me. But this one. yeah, I've got a title, they'll say. And I wrote down the other day that goes perfectly with that. So you just have to keep going. But sometimes it's just slog through. It's not going. It's just like we're working at it. There's no inspiration. You just say, okay, chalk it up to another, you know, swim your laps for training for the olympics that was a practice session and the song didn't really come out or it came out yeah. but it wasn't that great and i'm okay with that that's your 10,000 hours your olympic training if i write a song every day and not all of them are mega hits that's okay with me it's just part of the process just turning I up. i probably i probably yeah it's turning up and working i probably like all the songs i write i love some of them yeah and some of them I'm, done by and so I'm okay with writing a song I just like because like you I like to play music I like the process of playing music so anything involving music is fun for me
0: well I think we'll wrap it up there Bill thanks um for coming on the podcast what's next for Bill O'Hanlon
1: I really you know this is sort of this is sort of icing on the cake for me I've had a great career Coaching people to write books, writing books, going around the world, speaking, being a psychotherapist. I went farther than I ever dreamed I would go. And I have enough money at this point in my life. I did. I finally was able to master the money thing, in part due to the things that we did together, the internet marketing stuff. I created a bunch of online courses, and I made enough money to pay off all my debts and have enough to retire. So for me, it's sort of a game
0: yeah.
1: that I'm playing. Myself. Can I master a new career this late in life? Can I actually have the world agree that I'm good at this and that they record, want to record my song? So I'm going for a Keith Urban cut, as they say. I'm going for a Keith Urban, you know, for one. He's heard one of my songs. A friend of mine who's a hit writer had his email address and we wrote a song. He said, this would be great for Keith Urban I knew it wasn't great for Keith Urban, but I didn't stop him. And he sent it to Keith Urban, and Keith has a standard response: "Great song, not for me," or "Good song, not for me." And I was like, "This is so great! I got rejected by Keith Urban. I'm really making progress. This is really <laughs> terrific." Um, but I, someday I want to not be rejected by Keith Urban. That is, I want him to hear the song. And go, I have to record that. So I'm going for I'm going for a, a number one song in pop country. Um, those are my two main um, uh, things and I'm going for um, songs and movies and uh, commercials and video games and uh, whatever else where, where I can get my music to millions of people and millions of people will hear it be moved by. It. that's that's what's next and uh, I'm going to go for that and you know again I have a fine life and if it doesn't happen it doesn't happen but I'm going for it and I'm having a great time in the process and I'm still going for the outcome as well. So that's next.
0: I'm sure it will. You're very driven. If you can hold up your your latest book and tell our uh, listeners, watchers where they can buy it.
1: Uh, on all those uh, platforms, it's in an ebook format. I obviously have the print book here. Um, and you can get it Book Baby was the, our self- publishing platform that we use. So you can get it on Book Baby, but you can get it on Amazon and all those other uh, other places and you can order it um, in Australia. If you want the ebook, you can get it right away. If you want the print book, it takes a little longer to get it to Oz um but you can get it all over the world and um i have another one coming out the next one is going to be so far a tentative title it should be out this next year um it's called Sync and grow rich s-y-n-c sink and grow rich it's about getting your songs synced to television and movies and commercials and video games and things like that so that, that is with jess Furman, and we're about
0: in the middle of writing that at this point fantastic thanks again for coming on the podcast bill
1: thanks and nice to see your smiling face again jeff
0: That was Bill O'Hanlon You can check out all the links to his music, books and courses on his website BillOhanlon.org That's B-I-L-L-O-H-A-N-L-O-N dot O-R-G I've spoken to Bill before, back in 2015 Before he embarked on his career change to songwriting And we had a great chat about writing He's a driven, fascinating man. I wish him well on his experiment in mastering a new career late in life. He's well on his way. Remember, you can get all the show notes to this episode and all the others at our official website, thewritersshow.com. That's it for this week. Keep creative. You've been listening to The Writer's Show. I'm Jeff Hughes. Talk to you next time.